Hey everyone, welcome back to the Let's Be Real podcast. I am your host, Nicole Eunice, and this is episode 28. We are finishing up a little series on work that we've been in, how to do hard things, how to write a book, how to plan your day and your week, which we are going to return to eventually. I mentioned last week that we would talk about it again, but I wanted to make sure that I had uh, an opportunity to share with you this interview that I've been holding on to for several weeks, and I just can't wait for you to hear it. I hope that it lands right at the right time for you in this year, in this season. I feel like I wish I could give every single one of you a long, almost awkward hug because we are bearing a lot of weight, of pain, of confusion, of change. And in the midst of that, there's an opportunity to be strengthened with our resolve and our purpose and to really embrace um, some of what is uncomfortable right now. And I cannot wait for you to hear from my friend and spiritual mentor, leadership coach, Nancy Beach. Nancy has been in ministry for 20 plus years. She is behind some of the most incredible movements in the evangelical church in the 90s and has also had her own journey of just pioneering and truth-telling in the world, and I am just so grateful and so honored to call her a friend. So she's going to talk with us a little bit about transition seasons and what that feels like and looks like and how we can navigate those well. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, Feel free to reach out anytime. Let me know how you're doing and any way that I can serve you. All right, without further ado, here's Nancy Beach. Welcome to Let's Be Real, a completely honest, entirely practical conversation about how to live our lives with freedom, purpose, and abundance. Popular author and communicator Nicole Eunice brings her 20 years of experience as a counselor, pastor, and coach to a real conversation about the tricky questions and tough decisions in life, and how to find clarity in action no matter what obstacle you may face. Have a topic to suggest or a tricky situation you need help with? We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email or voice memo to Nicole at NicoleEunice.com where we might feature you on the show. And now here's your host, Nicole Eunice. Hey everyone, welcome to the Let's Be Real podcast. We are here today with my mentor, coach, friend, Nancy Beach, and I am so excited to introduce Nancy to you guys. Yay, Nancy, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Nicole. Good to be with you. Oh, I'm so, so happy to... I have to tell our listeners the story of... I mean, this is like a real fangirl story, but for those of you who are not familiar with Nancy, Nancy uh, was on staff at a large church in Chicago, Willow Creek, for many years. She led um, a team, uh, the worship arts team, correct? Or creative arts? Yes, worship worship arts. arts. Mm -hmm. The worship arts team, and she was one of or the first female teaching pastor at Willow Creek. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So as you can imagine, for those of you guys who know me, I was following Nancy very closely. She wrote a book called Gifted to Lead that changed my leadership trajectory and is one of the reasons I believe in the power of books because I didn't Mm -hmm. know Nancy and I felt like I got to have a personal conversation with her. That's what it felt like. Felt like she was reading my thoughts. And so fast forward like 20 years and I see a tweet on Twitter from Nancy about a coaching group. And I got in like the last spot. I applied to Mm -hmm. be in a coaching group and got to know Nancy. So she's been a coach for me and a real mentor. And I've followed your career for all of these Mm -hmm. years. It was like, if there's only, I used to, I used to say to the Lord, if there was just one person I could talk to, the person would be (laughs) Nancy Beach. Because, um, 
Nancy, you have a story where, and and there is nothing, of course, we love and I love and appreciate women who are in ministry with their husbands when both right. both male and female are in the local church. But I also believe in women being called to the church with men who are called to the marketplace or as single women. And I know your story is you, you know, you were in the church as your career, your husband is a businessman, mm-hmm. wasn't in the church ministry with you. So um, you've been sort of a mentor and an example that that's possible. Right. And I think right. it's important for women to know that, um, that God can make a way. So um, we're so glad that you're here today in this series that we're doing on work. And you spend so much time with people in different seasons now as a coach. So tell us a little bit about kind of your early and mid-career and what you're doing now. Well, you're right. I was in the creative arts area for a long time, and I loved building a team. And for much of that time, early years especially, I was very much behind the scenes, um, just building into artists and people trying to create what we called, you know, transcendent moments on Sunday morning. That's what we were aiming to do. And we tried to harness all the arts uh, to do that. Um, then I started having a few little short upfront experiences like hosting a service or reading scripture or doing mm-hmm. announcements or something. And gradually that led to uh, uncovering the possibility that maybe I had a teaching gift. I wasn't mm-hmm. really sure. Um and, well, so, and, and Nancy, what what did you want to be when you grew up? So I highly doubt uh, that you were planning to no, be. No, a- <laughs> I wasn't. Um, the first plan was to be a doctor, and then I took chemistry in, in high school, and that was all over. So forget that. Um, and then for a long time, what I really wanted to do, I loved the arts, and I wanted to go to LA and be like an executive producer of uh, either film or television that would kind of represent, just be a person with my worldview in that. I wasn't looking Mm. to make, you know, Christian movies or TV so much as to just be a, 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 hopefully a force for good in that field and have a master's in communications. And that was really my intent. Mm. Um, And then God interrupted that plan. And uh, I was led to take on a very new role at the church. I was going to say like, you were pioneering kind of a role that didn't really even exist. Yeah, it really didn't. And uh, I was very terrified. Honestly, I thought if you were creative and if you were a leader and artistic and you did that in the church, you were like a big loser, like a big L (laughs) on your forehead, you know, because if you were any good, you'd be in New York or LA or Nashville or something. Um, Yeah, you wouldn't be producing the same level. Yeah. I remember having that same feeling about the church. Yeah. Totally arrogant attitude on my part. And God basically prompted me and said, you know, if you trust me, I have an adventure for you and it doesn't have to be what you think. And mm-hmm. uh, let's let's try this. And so, so I did that. And that was like a 20 year run. And um, and then towards wow. the end of that is when I started teaching as well, um, teaching pastor at the church. And I, I loved doing that. That was a part of my um, ministry. It wasn't the whole thing, but I really enjoyed that as well. And then um, in 2010, I resigned. It was my own choice. I uh, there's lots of reasons behind it. The biggest one I think was I just sensed that my run was was done. That it was time to turn mm. over that creative area to the next generation, and so I did. And um, wasn't sure what was next. I kind of you just you just sort of I, jumped. I jumped. Yeah. And tell us where yeah. you were kind of in your personal life at that time. Where I know that you have two girls. Right. You talk um, in your book about mothering and ministry mm-hmm. and. 
you know, they were by then, um, mid to late teens. And so, um, me jumping was, you know, just as they were beginning to go to college. And so, you know, it coincided with empty nests talk about transitions, menopause, the whole thing, the whole thing's (laughs) going on at once. The perfect storm. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, needless to say, I read a ton of books about transition and change. And you talked about Mm -hmm. reading a book. I, I, I think, that uh, it might have been C.S. Lewis, but somebody said, we read to know that we're not alone. Mm-hmm. And so whatever you're going through, when you can read a book, even if it's someone you've never met and, and you resonate with their experience. So, so I started reading books about transition. And the, the gift to me was that I realized, okay, all this disorientation I'm having and all that, it's like normal. And mm. people have been through it for centuries before me and many are going through it now and I'm not unique in that and I can learn something and there's there's going to be a, a point at which stability returns at some mm. at some point in the future but I have to navigate this era right now and see what I can learn from it um, which is a big big part of it. Are you finding and, and we're going to go into this in just a minute mm-hmm. and talk a little bit more about what you've learned but are you I'm finding that what you learned in 2010 now applies in 2020? to what we're all collectively going through? Absolutely. Um, I think Serena Williams said the other day that the entire year of 2020 should be called the asterisk year, you know, because in (laughs) sports and everything else, nothing's normal. No records are normal. And for most people, um, there has been a fundamental shift in how we do life. And Mm -hmm. talk about a big transition with capital letters. You know, I don't have children at home right now, but for those of you who do, um, that's huge. And then people trying to adjust, some working from home, some whose jobs don't allow that. And so mm-hmm. they're venturing into new territory um, with their work life. A lot of people are moving physically too. Um, mm-hmm. Statistics are showing a lot of people are relocating for various reasons. And then there's the, the most serious transition of all are people who have lost loved ones. I haven't yes. personally lost anyone to COVID, but uh, many people are going through that transition in ways mm. that are not healthy for grieving, you know, in ways mm. that we're not accustomed to when you can really honor a life in the same way that, that we've done in the past. So yeah, lots of transition in our world. Right yeah. Now. Speaking of losing, you know, I've, I've ever, I've officiated sort of stewarded two memorial services in this time, mm. neither one related to COVID, but yeah, the, the, inability to rely on our previous coping mechanisms of how we come together and what those rituals are is striking. It's not just, it's, it's um, unsettling on a a very deep level. So tell us a little bit um, from your experience, because for many of the people listening, myself included, I'm in my first big transitions that I've experienced in life where, you know, things are unsettled. And then on top of that is this pandemic. For some people, this pandemic, racial unrest, what's happening politically, all of it is the first time they're experiencing this level of soul transition, I think. Um, What is it about transitions that really are so unsettling for so many of us? Well, first of all, I think um, we were coasting along for a while and then something shifts or changes, sometimes of our own choosing and sometimes Mm -hmm. it comes at us that we didn't expect. And some transitions are just because of circumstances. You know, you lose a job or you gain a new job or you move or you get married or you get divorced or, you know, all all of those events are transitions. And others are more like developmental. Like we all Mm. go through adolescence, for example, um, or 
early 20s is, is a, is a develop, developmental time, menopause, all of that. And so all of these things combined indicate that every single one of us will go through a series of transitions in our life, some more than others, but we are all going to be in this place. And that's mm-hmm. what makes me laugh because I don't know about you, but sometimes I get so surprised, like, oh, wow, <laughs> I'm in a transition. Something's changing and as if it never should or something. And it's well, just it's the like, way of Yeah, like we think we're in control. I think I think that's yes. part of it. Yeah. And I know for me in transitions that I've chosen, I've actually been more surprised uh, because it was something like, well, if this is my choosing, then surely I'm just going to like sail through it because yes. don't I have to honor my decision by being like really happy about it or whatever. Yes. And that's an interesting reality too, is that. And when you choose it are- and then, cause this is what happened to me when I resigned from a job I'd had forever mm-hmm. about 10 years ago, when you choose it and then you feel wobbly or disoriented, you're like, man, I, it was, this was my choice. Why am I, why am I in this place? You know, it's almost worse yeah. in some ways. Yes. But when I was, uh, I think sometimes you're coasting along for a while and then you kind of have a restless voice, I call it. And mm. there's something inside mm. that says, um, hmm, I think something might be shifting, something might be changing. And it doesn't always happen immediately, but you just have this sort of sense. I don't know, the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, and, and just as you look at your life, you say, I think something's shifting. And that was going on with me, but I honestly was sort of ignoring it for a while. Mm. And um, and then I was leading an arts conference at Willow, and I had a guest speaker that I asked to do the final message, Ephraim Smith. Um, uh-huh. And uh, he did this great talk. But one of the things he said uh, always stuck with me, and I'm going to get the details wrong. But he said that the, the animal, the cheetah, can jump from a standing position a certain amount of feet into the air, let's say six feet. I don't remember. Okay. But he said in a zoo, they will also often have just like a four foot wall. And that sounds very unsafe if a cheetah can jump six feet. But he said, the reason it's totally safe is because the way God made cheetahs, they will never jump unless they can see where they're going to land. You know, so so that would never happen. And he said, some of you are being prompted to jump. Like God's telling you it's time to make a move and you don't want to because you don't know where you're going to land. And sometimes, you know, I mean, our parents always told us, don't leave a job unless you have another job. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's <laughs> like sort of smart. Um, but there's occasions in life, and in my case, I wasn't the primary breadwinner or anything. But um, mm-hmm. in my case, I think God was saying, I want you to jump into the unknown, and you don't mm-hmm. know what's next. And I have some things I want to teach you in this journey. Um, mm. So that was pretty scary. Whereas other times some people jump and they, ju- they know exactly what's next. You said that transition, you know, you never, you maybe feel like you're never going to return to stability. Mm-hmm. How long How did long it take for you after that 20 year run in your career, you know, just being in one place in one community to find stability again? I think in my case, it was two to three years. Um, I experimented with some things. I tried a few things. And again, I wasn't feeling the financial pressure that a lot of people feel. But um, I was definitely not quite steady for a while. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a there's a secular expert on transitions. Two of the books I read were by a guy named William Bridges, and he's kind of okay. considered the guy on transitions. And we'll put his we'll put the links in the show right. notes so you guys so can see them. Two of his books, one's one was written um, 
like over 20 years ago called Transitions. And then 20 years later, when his wife had died and he had retired from something or whatever, he wrote another book called The Way of Transition. Hmm. Anyway, he says there's like three phases to transition. And they always begin with an ending. Hmm. And endings are terrifying, even ones we choose, because hmm. something is over now. You know, it's asking yourself, okay, what what is over now? Mm-hmm. And what do I need to let go of? And then you find yourself in this middle area, this middle stage, which he calls the neutral zone. And the neutral zone, he says, it's like someone between trapezes. You know, you've let go mm-hmm. of one and you haven't quite grabbed the other. Another writer calls it uh, Linus when his blanket's in the dryer. You know, he's just <laughs> standing there and all his security is not there. Um, but this is the most unsettling part. So something is ending or has ended. But the new beginning, which is the third phase, hasn't come yet. And so, mm. and, and it varies. Sometimes that's a short period of time, and some of us wander for a bit. Um, another one of my favorite books is called The Land Between, and it's by a pastor, Jeff Mannion. And he describes the season of the children of Israel between Egypt and the Promised Land. Well, their neutral zone was like, what, 40 years? So yeah. they're wandering around and all of that. And he says that there are some things that can only be learned in the land between. There are certain parts of our character that get formed. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a trust that has to happen in that neutral zone. And apparently the children of Israel didn't learn those lessons quickly. And so they just were suspended in that space for a really long time. And then eventually the third phase is the new beginnings. Even that, if you think a little bit of, about like the season of spring, mm-hmm. especially those of us who don't live in the super warm places where, where it always feels like spring and summer. Uh, when spring comes in Chicago, it's very hit and miss. It's talk about wobbly, you know, March and April are these months when you get a little teaser, like a little bit of warmth and you see a little <laughs> daffodil poke itself out. But then the next day it could snow, you know, you just, you just don't know when it's going to land. And that's a lot like new beginnings. Hmm. Even if it's a beginning that you're excited about and that you chose, it's a little unsettling too, because everything's new. Mm -hmm. Um, So these phases, the description of them were very helpful to me. And when you, so you said it took you a little while, what did stability, I'm assuming stability felt different after having gone through a big transit, you know, there's what we think of security and stability, and then there's what we know of it, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. Did something change for you in that? You know, I um, one of the books that also helped me was by Richard Rohr, and I think it's called Falling Upwards. And mm, yes, it's sort of like midlife stuff. You're too young for it, but it's like, it's like midlife <laughs> stuff. And he <laughs> says that sometimes as we get older, like in our first run in life, and this isn't true for everybody, and maybe less so for the younger generations, but a lot of people do something for a pretty long run at mm-hmm. first, and maybe at least 10 years, you know, you're, you're somewhere and you're rolling up your sleeves and doing something for a while. But from midlife and beyond, he says, for many of us, it's, it's not really looking for something that's necessarily going to last for a couple decades or whatever. It's more in, in some of our situations, a series of things. Mm. And that the bigger question is, who am I going to be mm-hmm. as I go into this next era of my life? Like what kind of person? Do I want to be? And some of us, as we age, um, I've had some relatives like this where, sadly, you watch and they're becoming more bitter, more mm-hmm. um, irritable, 
um, more judgmental, more narrow-minded and, and less inclusive and everything. And you think, oh, I, I don't want to become that. Mm-hmm. And he challenges you to say, how can I be kinder and more inclusive and more gentle and less quick with my judgments and all of that? So what kind of person am I becoming is a mm-hmm. better question always than what we run to, which is, what am I doing? You know, yeah. what's my job? What's my title? Mm-hmm. What's, how can I answer the question when people are at a party and say, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And what's a good answer? And for a couple of years, I didn't have like a great answer. I didn't have a great story to tell. I could say, well, I'm dabbling in this a little bit. And I'm trying some coaching and I'm doing a little bit of this. And that was hard on my ego mm-hmm. and very hard on my identity. And I think this is the biggest issue in transition is our identity. You know, mm-hmm. uh, before I made my transition, I used to teach people, your identity should not be a job that you have or a role that you play, <laughs> you know, bang, bang, bang. And like, I'm this, you know, expert and I have that all figured out. And then I jumped and went into transition and I went, oh no, my identity was way more wrapped up in the role that I played than I thought. Yeah. And the biggest work God is continuing to do in me, it's not done yet, is to reframe my identity where it belongs, which is who I am in Christ, Mm -hmm. not what I do. And that is going to be a lifelong lesson for me. Um, it's not something that at all comes naturally to me, but I've grown in it. I can see that I'm, I'm more in that place than I used to be. Nancy, when you say um, growing, I, first of all, of course, totally resonate. I think we're both Enneagram 3, yes. Wing 4. Yes. Um, and that's an interesting, uh, every, <laughs> every Enneagram type is interesting, fascinating, yeah. honestly, to me. But since we share that, it's interesting to be creative and have this this deeper heart that just wants to allow life to happen alongside mm-hmm. of this like driving need to achieve and driving need to be um, identified as a person who's successful. And um, so I'm curious if you feel like going through that hard time and coming more into your identity actually has grown your character for some of the more difficult things that have come your way in the past few years. Yes, I, I believe it has. Um, I hope that the people close to me would, would say that it has. You know, we all think our character is growing and who knows, <laughs> other than the people who have to live with us. Um, no, I think that is true. And about, let's see, probably about six years after I resigned, I went through a whole other thing that was kind of private and secret for a long time until it went very mm-hmm. public, where I became aware of some allegations against my my former pastor Mm -hmm. and remembered that I had a story that I hadn't really shared, a small story, Mm -hmm. but one that sort of supported the pattern of what came to be eventually nine other women who who came forward. Mm -hmm. And we were working a process or trying to work a process with the elders uh, of the church. I wasn't even attending there anymore, but we were trying to work a process with them, hit kind of a brick wall and eventually really had to decide what to do with that information. Mm And thought seriously about just letting it go um, until we heard of another young woman who was Mm. um, affected and finally decided our only option, because the pastor wouldn't meet with us and the elders wouldn't meet with us um, anymore, the only option left was to go to the press in in what we, Mm. we felt. And that ushered me into a storm of social media criticism and everything else Mm. that tested my character in, in, 
enormous ways, probably more than anything else so far in my life. And when you mentioned the Enneagram three, here's God's, you know, recipe for a person who cares too much about their image. Um, have, have you face social media stuff from people you don't even know and don't know the whole mm. story or anything else that are saying very mean things and, and trying to hold on to your core that says, I believe that, you know, I'm a daughter of God and he guided me to do this and I'm going to choose to trust in the midst of this craziness. Um, mm. So my character grew tremendously, I think, through, through all of that and continues to be challenged that way. I think um, one of the things that was interesting, that's interesting to me about that season is that although your own personal situation was not as, let's say, severe, if that's a, right. a, a way to mm-hmm. say it, your leadership was, you had the most influence in your years and your positioning. I mean, you weren't there anymore, but right. how did you navigate what my responsibility, what did you think about as far as your responsibility for where you are in life, for what your leadership giftings are? Yeah. You know, I think I underestimated what you just said, because mm-hmm. um, as I mentioned, several women came forward, but because I had been at the church so long and was kind of seen as one of the founders of the church mm-hmm. and had been a teacher as well, I didn't realize till after the fact, it might've scared me too much if I, if I had known it <laughs> in advance, but that carried a a certain weight. And also I had the opportunity to help one of the women whose story was probably the most serious, have the courage to tell her to come out of the darkness and tell her story. So I believe that was one of the most important things God asked me to do. One of my friends and former colleagues um, would ask a question when we were in the midst of this storm that was very helpful to me. He said, let's just keep trying to figure out what's the next right thing to do. What's the next best step, you know, and, and when you're in the midst of it, that's helpful, because if you look too far ahead, it's, it's overwhelming. And to just say, God, what is the next thing you're asking of me? And how can I have integrity through this? How can Mm -hmm. I be careful with my words? So while I wrote a few things, I wrote very little, really, if you look at the whole Mm -hmm. stretch of time, I only wrote a post when I felt uh, unmistakable prompting. And that even then I tried to be very careful uh, with my words, because I think we all realize now that these words that we write last for a very long time mm-hmm. and get picked apart and, and all of that. And I didn't want to write out of anger. Um, it's not my place to be judge and jury on anybody. Um, I just wanted to be really careful, but at the same time, speak truth, figure out ways to bring the truth in a responsible way to light. And your bravery is palpable, I think, to many. And obviously, you had no idea what all that was going to bring or where it would go. I mean, that's part of it is when you're in it. I think about Bible stories, you know, Mm -hmm. when we know where like we know what's going to happen in the Bible story. One of my favorites is David and Abigail and, and how Abigail kind of like boldly called David out and like, we didn't, she didn't know what was going to happen. Right. We know what happens because right. we can read the next five verses. So yeah, like good. when you were in the midst of doing like this hard thing that you didn't know, you said a couple of things I want to circle back on. A couple of times you said we. So I'm curious, what your, what's the role of kind of community and relationships for you in doing hard things? And mm-hmm. then you mentioned kind of writing or stepping out when you had unmistakable prompting. Can you say more about both of those things, about the role that those play mm-hmm. in your life? Well, community is 
like probably one of my top values uh, in life. And the greatest joy of my ministry wasn't any of the events that we produced together or, you know, big moments like Christmas Mm -hmm. or any of it. Um, Those were fun and, and great. But the memories that I hold and what made ministry so deeply fulfilling to me was the team that got helped me to build. And uh, some of those people, uh, the core, the nucleus of the team were together for 20 years in the, in the arts ministry. And now none of us work together, but we all happen to still, well, the the nucleus of this team are all still in the Chicago area and Mm -hmm. we get together periodically on my calendar, it'll say like old buddies, you know, and um, we're going to do life together till we can't move anymore, you know, kind of thing. So that, that community was essential going through the storm of the last few years. Um, not to mention my husband, of course, who mm-hmm. we're coming up on our 40th wedding anniversary next week. Oh my gosh. Um, awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. That's fantastic. Thank you. So, um, he, and my two daughters, my adult daughters, um, were my t- most tight-knit community during this time. Mm. My girls, in fact, kind of shielded me from some of the social media stuff. And they would delete stuff and like, Mom, you don't need to read that. And, and mm. um, they were loyal defenders um, of mm. their mom, which was really sweet. That makes me get emotional. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't imagine walking through it without them. Community was essential. And then what was your second question? What about, um, you said that you wrote a few things mm-hmm. when you felt an unmistakable prompting. Can you say a little bit more about that? Because yeah, it was, many of us are, are tr- trying to do hard things or are yeah. facing courageous steps. Well, I'm very much a morning person. And um, some of the nights during this storm, I would have trouble sleeping. And so I'd wake up early. And uh, a couple of the things I wrote I just remember almost bolting out of bed. And I, by the way, I'm a reluctant writer. So I don't, you know, some people love to, you love to write. I mean, there's people who just. I don't write. actually, oh, okay. I don't love to write. Well, anyway, I don't either. So <laughs> it's just so this is not natural evil. for me, but I would bolt out of bed and go downstairs and just start typing. And I felt like it was shaping in my head. Like God was, mm. I, I'd never experienced it quite in that way before. Mm. And it was quick and it was like, oh, wow. And then I would just sit back and I'd read it to my husband and he would say, because it only happened a few times. And he's like, it happened again, right? And I go, yeah, I, wow. And so by 9 a.m., I'm ready to, you know, release this. So I I really believe that was from the Lord and I'm very grateful for it. And it it was rare. It didn't happen often. I can tell the difference when I'm forcing something, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're looking at the blank computer screen and nothing is coming. That's my more typical reality. So this was different. Wow. What is it? And maybe we can kind of wrap up on this question and we'll share all these great resources Mm -hmm. that you've mentioned. But what is it that you that you're doing in the habit and rhythms of life that I think are essential foundational pieces that then allow you to actually have the faith to access Mm. God's voice in your life and speak out and write those things or live in a transition, live in between the, I love the picture of the trapezes Mm -hmm. to live between that space. Um, What are some of those practices that have been important for you? Well, if I have a favorite Bible verse, and I don't know if I do, but if I do, it might be um, Proverbs 4.23 that starts with above all else. Mm -hmm. um, So, you know, it's important. uh, Guard your heart 
for everything you do flows from it. Um, another verse version says for it is the wellspring of life, but everything, mm. you know, comes from, from our heart. And so paying attention to the condition of my heart and soul, as you know, as a three, I tend to be an activist. I'm a list maker. Um, I'm not a contemplative by nature. So for me, it's very much carving out a few times uh, of the day when I get more still. And mm. I've been experimenting in recent years with meditation. And I wish I could tell you I'm like an ace meditator. You know, being, <laughs> being an achiever, I want to like check that off my list. It's usually like 10 minutes, but it's 10 minutes when I'm not uh, reading or even forming prayers in my with words. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just being still and reminding myself of God's presence and his love for me uh, each day. And uh, the other thing, my pathway kind of to God is creation. And so mm-hmm. um, anytime I can get out and take a walk and really notice, uh, mm-hmm. notice things, um, that is very life-giving uh, to my soul. And just making room, you know, I, I really believe that sometimes, especially in transition, if you don't know what's next, we're mm-hmm. trying to rattle a cage and saying, God, um, what's, give me the, your will, you know, send it down. Tell me what the answer is. And uh, I guess I've learned, I've been through so many decades now where, where I, I'm realizing, first of all, if God wants to communicate something to me, he's more than capable of doing that. So <laughs> that's, such a, that's such a freeing thought. Yeah. Like, so if, if I'm listening and making some right, room, if you're and willing, I, and I, right. I'm listening and I'm not really hearing anything specific. I think a lot of crossroads that we come to in life, they're multiple good options. And mm. I think lots of times God is just saying, you know what? I don't have one thing that if you miss it, you're going to screw up or whatever. Choose my child. Just mm. what I, my will for you is to become more loving and patient and kind and joyful and, and all of that. That's really what I am interested in. Mm-hmm. And you can live that out in a few different paths. Mm-hmm. Now, there are some occasions, and I've had a couple of these in my life, where there was a path that I think God was nudging me to do. But over time, I was able to sense that and and hear that. But many other times were more choose. Yeah. So um, meditation, kind Mm -hmm. of. I'm starting it, which I love. I mean, I'm... I'm sort of, I find that for me, like I need to be like doing a yoga pose or something. Um, But that's a start, right? I mean, it's it's a place to be and um, meditation, creation, making space. And I love this, like just freeing thought that if you're willing to listen, God's not going to like give you one chance. Like he's going to make it clear what you need to know. And I do think a lot of times when we don't know, it's because it's not time. It's not Because it's a no or a yes, it's because it's you're still in between, maybe in that formation stage of what God might be doing right. in your character. Awesome yes. stuff. Super helpful. Thank you. Sure. So Nancy, um, for all of the people who just fell in love with you, I know I'm stroking your Enneagram 3. Just ignore that. that is, but it's true. For everyone who feels like you've got brought a lot of wisdom today, um, we can. I'm going to put your website at the bottom. And you also coach through the Slingshot Group, which right. is a staffing agency and a coaching, a coaching opportunity for mm-hmm. people in ministry. You coach creatives. I mean, you coach everyone, right? Men, yeah, women, Yeah, I love coaching both men and women. Mm-hmm. I've coached some people in transition, mm-hmm. which is really fun um, just to walk alongside them. Yeah. And uh, some in the art space, but some executive pastors, senior pastors, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thank yeah. you, Nancy. And thanks for giving us your time today. 
Thanks for tuning in to Let's Be Real with Nicole Eunice. We'd love to hear from you. Have a topic to suggest or a tricky situation you need help with? Send us an email or a voice memo to Nicole at NicoleEunice.com and we may feature you on the show. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode.